0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Last time on Strangers in China. So um, I'll just ask you by telling me what's your name. Billy Lingfeng, actually. Yeah. L-I
1: is my last name, and I go by that name.
2: Yeah, my name is Sui. I'm from Gansu, Pingliang. Yeah, it's a very small town. has a population around maybe less than two
3: million.
1: I was born in a place called Guiyang. It's a city, it's the capital city of Guizhou. That's southwest of of China.
3: What's interesting about these two places is that they're actually the two poorest provinces in China. And you have a sister
2: right now. I was like, what?
3: All of a sudden, I just have a sister.
1: People tend to put you in the box. You have to fit in this box, otherwise you're not accepted.
2: You know, as a student, if you're not good at your s- study, you're just uh, totally a uh, failure, you know? You, <laughs> you, you, you are not respected.
1: Bigger, bigger, and fatter and fatter. And then I think that's the starting point when I get uh, kind of obese in the beginning and then later on develop a really heavy weight.
2: It's like 100 hundred points below the line for university.
1: You don't speak Cantonese, you don't fit in, no matter where you're from. I think it took me six years to be able to confidently speak the language.
2: I, I reached a point, there is no, no road out. Uh, on the second time of exam, I managed to get into university.
1: Decided on applying for the school and not knowing anything about it.
0: Which what, what school did you go to in Hawaii?
1: I went to um, Hawaii Pacific University.
0: I have a question for you maggie yeah why did you get away from home
3: i think there are two parts the first part is personal and then the economic reasons so personally i was pushed away from home because i have a alcoholic and violent dad i wasn't enjoying my family life and i have relatives and my mom was the only person i can rely on and i knew i had to do something in order to provide a good life for her and for me
0: and like, okay, so on on, on a personal front, like what drew, what drew you to Shanghai?
3: Well, I have a thing for language, especially English. So I really wanted to become an interpreter for political leaders, you know, like Xi. So there's no way to accomplish that in small cities. Shanghai seems like the place to go for me. You,
0: you mentioned that there were economic reasons for leaving. What, what, tell me about that.
3: My hometown wasn't very developed for some reason, despite all the great features But there's basically nothing I can do there to use my abilities. So Shanghai has all the career opportunities and everything that only allows me to be a freelancer as I am right now. I can't imagine any other place that might make it happen for me.
0: We know that like distance-wise, your hometown isn't that far from Shanghai. But there's another sort of distance between your hometown and Shanghai.
3: Well, mentality-wise, my hometown is definitely less open and more rigid compared to cities like Shanghai. And people would judge you more often. Relatives would think they have a bigger say in your personal life than what people in Shanghai would do. What about for you, though, Clay? Where are you in Shanghai?
0: In a, in a more broad way, yeah, like, I came to China. And for a foreigner, you know, when you're thinking about options of where to live in China, most people just consider big cities. But actually, I did live in a small city in China for four years, and it was called Gong. And it's not a poor city. It's actually a very wealthy city. So it wasn't like I didn't have any career opportunities there. I just wanted to leave. I wanted to be in a more international city. That's why I'm here. Now, my last question for you um, is... Would you go back? Would you live in your hometown again?
3: Absolutely no.
0: For me personally, I'm thinking about my hometown now in Bridgefield, Connecticut. I have fond memories of it. I have good feelings about it. I would never live there again.
3: I got away from hometown, but it's not just me. It's a huge trend.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you mean by that?
3: So if you look at the data of urbanization processes in China, you notice the big wave of people, especially educated young people, going to bigger cities to seek more career opportunities and better financial conditions as well.
0: Yeah, I've looked at the data as well, and it really suggests like there's this strong economic incentive.
3: Well, for the first part, people are definitely attracted to more glamorous and international cities to start with. And policy-wise, Chinese government definitely want to attract as many talents as possible to facilitate the urbanization and industrialization.
0: Right, because China over the past you know, 30 or 40 years has gone from this agrarian society to a more industrialized society. So there's that. But <clears throat> I think, yeah, we're, we've talked about the planned economy. we talked about like the economic benefits. But one of the big spillover benefits from this ec- these economic miracles happening in these big cities in China is that there is this growing, more bohemian, more open lifestyle, more international lifestyle that I think also attracts a lot of people. Both of these reasons, both economic and personal, like, are really what attracted Sui and Li to come to Shanghai.
3: For this episode, we're actually going to talk about how it is that they got to Shanghai.
0: Where did we leave Sui and Li last time we were talking?
3: So things were starting to look up for them and they seem to have a turnaround in their life.
0: Right, right, right. Um, We have Lee who's about to go off to the States to go to college. And then Sui had finally gotten into college. She had finally gotten a good enough grade on the Gaokao to be able to step up, to be able to have a better opportunity. Chapter 5. Far From Home. Part 2. Let's let let's see where, where they're at right now.
3: As we said last time, Lee got admitted to the school in Hawaii, and his new life just started from there.
0: So tell me about what was the impetus? Why did you want to go to the States? It was just like, oh, it's an easy way out.
1: My parents were thinking about sending me, uh, even from high school, um, to a different place uh, studying abroad. But right. they give that idea up because they want me to have a formal education here um, in in China so that I don't forget about the traditions and the roots where I come from. I think that was the, their thinking behind, the reason behind it, not sending me to study abroad from high school. But it was until the end of, uh, towards the end of the high school, year three, I remember one time my parents and I were, we were having dinner with someone coming from actually Honolulu, uh, from Hawaii. They're not from Hawaii, I should say, but they study in Hawaii. And they're from Hong Kong and they're asking me where would I study later on in university. I said, I don't know. So they, they told me that, oh, why don't you study at a school that we went to uh, in, in Honolulu? And I said, yeah, sounds good already. I don't know um, if it's a good way out. I
0: would do it. After the second round of Sui going through the Gaokao system, the college entrance exam system, she had this chance encounter with some foreigners, which like opened her up to new possibilities.
2: After Gaokao, in my hometown, there was a Christian. He, her name is Diana. She was organizing summer English training camps for the local students almost every summer. She would uh, recruit some teachers from the church in US. At that time, I joined one of their class. It just uh, broadened my horizon, triggered my curiosity. To learn English, after you learn English, you can see a bigger world. You'll see a different Oh uh, No, Wuhan University was a really good one. I, I went to a very ordinary, um, mediocre school. Wuhan Technology University? Wuhan so,
1: Okay, sure. The first class I took was um, a listening skill. And I found out about Blockbuster and it was great for me because as the movie passed the 30 days for winter session i just practiced my listening skill um i ran two every day and watched them without any subtitle uh, because in china i watch i watch movies with subtitles right that doesn't help with the anything
0: Yeah. You just read read the subtitle and don't listen much. So this helped me a lot. For an American, like, the fact that he was loving Blockbuster is just hilarious to me. Like, I just love that Lee latched on to that as, like, an American cultural experience for him. But I have a question for you. What's, like, some American or, or, or just, like, English cultural experience that, like, helped you learn English that you became, like, attached to, that you have a sentimental feeling about?
3: Well, back then and still right now, one of my favorite favorite movies is The Bucket List by Morgan Freeman and he is by far one of the sexiest American actors that I still think.
0: What? Uh, He's so like 90 years old.
3: Doesn't matter. Age only helps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, you're weird. I'm not. And you can criticize mine as well because when, when I came to China, the, the show that I like watch, I still watch it today. And I think you're going to think I'm such trash for watching it. Please. But the one that I I, I watch all the time is <laughs> Fei Cheng Wu ra. Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: Even my mom doesn't watch it right now. <laughs> I
0: love Feijian Wu Rao. Still? <laughs> yeah, I watch it all the time. For me, it was like, it was something simple. Same premise every time. So you can like get used to that right. and like come to understand that through that. Okay. And then honestly for me, because I was like, you know, I was trying to date people back then and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like Chinese
3: I, girls, you mean. Yeah, fine.
0: <laughs> but like I was trying to date people back then and there was a lot of good like, dating and love words that you could learn from that. So.
3: And tips. <laughs> yeah,
0: good tips, sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean for me why the bucket list stood out is also I think I'm a very romantic person. At least my inner world is very romantic. And right after I watched that movie, I start I decided that I am going to have my own bucket list and it still goes on right now. Mm-hmm. So this is my definition of a movie is actually it inspires a lot of actions mm-hmm. and almost kind of has a seat in your life Jeezy. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the lines but also classic
0: mm. not <laughs> a up. not a not a big classic in america uh what are some movies that stuck out that you're like oh that's a great movie
1: <laughs> mostly comedy okay. easy you can watch the picture and then you understand immediately right. without any subtitle and once they repeat again, and again the same thing, and then you kind of, you know, kind of want to watch it again. So what, what does that mean? And you can search, right? I think comedy. What's it called? Uh, the National uh, Lampoon or something like that.
0: Yeah, National Lampoon. National
1: Lampoon, American Pie.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. those are the the classics I, I remember.
3: Lee was definitely enjoying a lot of the entertainment options offered there. But in general, he was more impressed by the free atmosphere offered in Hawaii.
1: I don't have to be controlled. Mm -hmm. I don't have to stay in school from 8 to 10. Um, This is like you have classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at this particular time. You just come. Any other time, if if you have homework, you do your homework. Otherwise, do whatever you want. Mingle with friends. Talk. Go to party. Go to the beach. Surf. Go hike. Once once the semester starts, the spring semester, and gets quite busy, and I was involved with the Chinese student organization, involved with the student activities, planning for the year. At the university, I told myself I would stay away from my fellow Chinese students, uh, even though I was involved with the Chinese Student Association. So whenever I have time, I mingle with other students because I was still in the language program. I met a lot of korean students japanese students that changed my mind about japanese students actually that was uh, previously not uh, available here uh, in china so i talked to them and get to know their culture and then i just learned that you know what huh people are just people it doesn't matter where they it doesn't matter where they're from hawaii means a a very sacred place once it opens up to you they will welcome you Uh, completely. Local people are very nice actually got invited to many barbecue parties, to hang out with the locals
0: so what 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 tell me a story about like why 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 do you feel transformed?
2: Because I realized the importance of learning I also started enjoying learning So my life transformed because of that. Take example, learning English. My English was very, very poor before Gaokao. And starting college, I just started getting interested in this language. I started reading, and listening. And um, I read a lot of books, and also other subjects.
0: What's the first book that you read in English that you were really proud of yourself?
2: Tuesday with Maury. I was doing very well academically in college. When you are a good student, you are respected by your peers. Then, so start from that time. I start gaining confidence because I genuinely interested in knowledge. I was genuinely interested in the subject as well, economics. So, everything is just natural. I don't feel I was making an effort but my grades was just good. I wasn't doing it for the sake of looking good for other people. It's because I was interested in all the knowledge.
0: Sui, like, really found out that she was intellectually curious, that she was interested in learning, the process of learning, and she didn't hate school. When properly motivated, she actually latches onto those ideas.
3: And Lee eventually realized that he really loves being in control of his own life. To take care of his own free time rather than being arranged.
0: So Sui actually excelled so well through college that um, that she actually wanted to go on to get her master's degree. Her feeling was like, I got into a s- school in China that well, wasn't that good. I really want to prove myself by going to a really good school abroad.
2: No, I went to Brisbane, Australia. I was I studied studied economics at there. I was a good student. I was getting good academic result from my bachelor's study. But the concern there is the stu- the school is not so good. So I would think, am I good because others are or others not good enough? That's why I'm good. If I go to a better environment, if I go to a better school, I compete with stronger, smarter student. Am I able to prove myself? So after I went to Australia, studied in a really prestigious university, I still got a very good academic. Uh, result, then that will further prove myself and uh, give me confidence in a way.
0: Okay, so basically Sui finishes her master's degree in Brisbane, Australia. And when she comes back, she is a consultant for a while. She works in um, different industries. But now, now she's trying to start a company. She does a form of uh, English language training that also ch- trains kids how to have Better interactions with foreigners so that they can become like foreign guides, tour guides, etc., for foreigners coming to China.
2: What I want to do is I give intensive training, like English or, or English training, to Chinese students so they will be qualified to be English travel guide. So, what I'm trying to do is tell people when you're talking to a foreigner, let's say, or people from different cultural um what is some of the things you can start with. So this is not just about communication between Chinese and foreigner, but also a communication between, like, between people generally.
3: It makes total sense for her to get into her current business because it aligns so well with her own story. And like she said, broaden her horizon. And she wanted to use the same thing to help more people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not only that, another thing that she does, she runs a group here in Shanghai, just sort of like a meetup kind of group called Curious Minds, where we sit together and kind of talk about broad ideas, things that are going on in China.
2: A Curious Mind is uh, organizing events, like mainly discussion or debating. We really enjoy talking to people and we really enjoy, especially intellectual, uh, deep conversation. And the third question is, what does the gaps mean for people? So, okay, you are rich and poor, so what does that mean? Does that mean you can live longer, I can live shorter lives, or what sort of consequences or result does the inequality bring to us? That is the third question. Difference? I
0: think, I'm- I, I wouldn't say it's bad or or good, but they're simpler and I would say for example um when I go to Quaijo I guess uh, what really bothers me about the gap thing is that basically there's a huge gap in terms of cognition
3: among the rich people sure. and the poor people. I think in a way Sui so is also In her effort, trying to make up what the Chinese education system is lacking is this kind of creative brainstorming and letting people's imagination and and ideas run free. So for Lee's story, after getting this degree in hospitality in Honolulu, Hawaii, he chose to stay and work there for a couple of years, but it didn't turn out that well. So he decided to come back to China. So through a series of coincidences and by following his passion, he ended up becoming a photographer. Tell me, what do you
0: do here? What do you do in Shanghai? Uh,
1: when I first came, I said I hustle.
0: Oh, okay. Meaning? Not a
1: hustler. <laughs> I hustle because I came back with no job. Started with the food tours job. Um, I still do now. Um, which is really fun, that opens the door to me to know my own culture. When I was working for the wine a com- uh, wine company, um, we did a travel, a trip to Bordeaux, and was taking pictures uh, at different chateaus there, capturing the moments of how wine is being made, and then actually write articles for the company too, for WeChat, right, so the contents, so people can see what we do, what is it all about Bordeaux wine. What about the owners, right? And uh, that inspired me a little bit of the documentary style. So I was like, wow, this is possible. I I like it, you know, I enjoy doing it. Uh, Why don't I do it for myself? That was the idea. And today um, I am a photographer. Mm -hmm. I do uh, events Um, and portraits. To say the former French concession or anywhere that I found interesting on the map, uh, of Shanghai and then I was like you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and check it out and see what's happening over there gotcha. um, so the afternoon is more of a creative type of thing mm-hmm. so I go out and capture what I want to capture at that moment if I see something interesting
0: what, uh, what kind of camera do you, are you using right now
1: yeah I'm using a uh, Fuji X-100 this is their fixed lens the first generation of this series and I fell in love with it because this is not the normal viewfinder. Um, but you look through the side of it and then give you the uh, the view of people coming in. So it's broader and also give you a electronic view as well. So you can see what you take exactly. Gotcha. Because the normal DSLR doesn't give you that option.
3: So now we really understand their stories and we've basically seen their entire life.
0: Yeah, and they've taken very different paths with very different challenges, but it's very striking how many like actual similarities there are between their stories. Both of them end up so far from home and I really wanted them to do a little introspection about that. What is it about them that drove them away from home, that drove them to Shanghai and how do they feel about their journey and how do they feel about going back to their hometown
3: yeah well I think their stories are very revealing in just how and why this generation our generation has really moved to bigger cities
0: the first thing that's really important and I think that's like a big revelation that they came to is that they don't really feel like they belong in China specifically they feel like they're more like international people and it's not like an identity crisis per se. They just like when they're living here, they don't feel like they quite fit in. They just feel a little different.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a reverse culture shock. Not not only not only my hometown. If even you look at Shanghai right now, I mean, Shanghai is much better because you have people from uh, everywhere. You know, like uh, I feel more comfortable. But if you're not in that community, yeah, you're not talking to any. Foreigners, if you are still living a very Chinese way of life, like all your friends are Chinese, all your colleagues are Chinese, I still wouldn't feel um, very comfortable, or they will feel find me a little bit, uh, maybe somewhere is not right. <laughs> like for example, the the event I go to, I talk about all those, you know. For example, politics or freedom or all those things. But if you want to have those conversation with uh, totally local people, you probably wouldn't have that sort of conversation. Yeah, this question is hard to answer. Like, why do I find myself a little bit of, a little bit uh, <laughs> different? I can't describe accurately but uh, I do feel a little bit different. And also some of my friends will see you are different.
1: I think that oh, I, I was once struggle with my identity too. So what I, what am I, you know, am I Chinese? Yes, I'm Chinese, you know, am I anything else? I, I don't know. So I stopped asking myself that question, you know, and especially when people ask me, where are you from? I'm like, mm, what do you think, right? It's the game that I play right now. What do you think I am? Some people say, Oh, are you, are you from Japan? You're Singaporean? I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So I see myself um, as nothing. I, I don't think of it anymore. So it's just me. I'm just here. That That is all.
3: So they feel really international and not very comfortable living in their own hometown or smaller cities. So, the problem is in China, there are not a lot of cities where you can live this kind of international
0: lifestyle. Right. And so they kind of just end up in Shanghai for lack of options. <laughs> so, I was looking at the options here Beijing, uh, we're staying in
1: a hotel, looking across the street, I couldn't even see the building. Yeah. That was in March. Uh, the air was really bad. So, i not, I don't want to be here. Um, then, Guangzhou is too close to home to mom so mom sorry um if you're listening to this uh i didn't mean to do that but i'm here i choose shanghai because i was staying in a hotel nearby xin Di, and i came out having a jacket walking around like wow this is really shanghai i didn't know about this i visited shanghai before but not like what i do like on my own i was like wow this is really cool if i ever come back i will come back to shanghai
2: I can like, speak for everyone, but uh, in general, I would think most of the students who studied abroad would want to go to like, either Beijing or Shanghai or uh, Shenzhen, so-called Tier 1 city, because of the job opportunity, because of the international environment and, and such. Well, I've been to Beijing, but uh, I really don't like climate in Beijing. It's too dry and the pollution is horrible. And right now, uh, then there's not that many options left. So I just choose Shanghai. Uh, in Shanghai, you will see people from all walks of life, from different country or culture background. It's interesting. So very often you see, you don't feel like you're living in China. If you go to a certain restaurant or go to certain places, right? It's it's so international. But that is a big advantage. No other city can come. Can Pete with Shanghai.
0: I got Mike back in the studio to dub a video about Shanghai. That is not a Shanghai sound at all. I, I've been living here for years. Not once have I heard an accordion. This is making me angry. China's biggest city. Here, ancient and modern come together. Here, class and trendy fuse together. This is a city on wheels and wings. Both sides of the Huangpu River have an open mindset and present a scene of thriving vitality. In the past, this was the playground of explorers. Now, it is the stage for dreamers. A financial center, a capital of fashion. All roads lead here. All dreams are sped up. All the ways to end, like, like it could have been all right. Is that the end? Ugh. Let's shift our focus to what it feels like for them when they do go home now, now that they have gone far away, now that they've had international experience and they live in this big city. So I'm wondering for you, like, how does it feel when you go home?
3: I feel the only purpose that I go home is to spend some time with my mom Mm -hmm. and I don't really have anything to do there. Right. Yeah, I can't even find a proper cafe to be working in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you? You're super far away from home.
0: Yeah, I love going home. I really do. I love seeing my family. Uh, I love having like the nice, familiar things that are tasty and delicious and fun. But I, I, I don't think I could survive there. China has made me too weird. <laughs> um, tell me about like the community of where you lived in.
2: Every time I go back, I meet my high school. Uh, friends, like high school classmates. Their conversation after 20 minutes, for for the first 20 minutes, uh, they're very curious about me because I'm in Shanghai. I go back to my hometown, I'm like, uh, not a foreigner, but more like like new people to them. Because they have been uh, living in the hometown for most of the time they are very curious about what I'm doing here things like that I, I will talk and then after a while they will move back to their conversation it's a small town as I mentioned so sounds like everyone knows everyone and everything is political everything is about connection they will talk about oh, oh, this, the, all all this all those scandals um, all the gossips they will talk you know yeah. I felt like Nothing can be done in that city, or not that not extreme, but at least everything is related to knowing some bigger, big figures, knowing somebody. Yeah. So I find uh, I, it's difficult for me to fit in their conversation if they, they start talking like that.
1: I somehow felt like I'm a stranger, yeah. but um, they are the same people that hasn't changed much so i always feel the warm embracing from them so i don't feel much difference now but i definitely feel the difference from my own experience from my own eyes that i see my hometown the relatives uh, the cousins all, they see them from a different angle now because uh, we grew up together i've never seen anything else other than them but i do feel the difference um f- comparing to when we were kids Uh, We were close, but now we were not because everybody's getting married having their own family I'm the only one who's not married and uh, doesn't have kids and just floating around feels like um, Yeah, I I can definitely feel that I we're having the the gap Um, Not one is higher or lower in the sense of uh, we don't have the common language anymore besides asking how are you doing what you do now where's your girlfriend when you're gonna get married and of course not from the cousins but from the uh, relatives but from them it's more like oh um what's up but no more than that uh, it almost feels like you know you're you an outsider yeah. uh, you are just a, a friend of a friend who brought to the family and it's like oh, okay you're observing of course um yeah it's a strange feeling in the beginning
3: do you feel the same way that Lee and Sui feel about going back home?
0: Yes, to an extent. Um, like, because I feel like people in my hometown are focused on such different things than what I'm used to.
3: Yeah, I definitely feel it too.
0: Right. So, like, I definitely feel this feeling when I go home that, like, oh, you know, the things that we can relate on are so different because I live in China, Right. But something that I know from my experience living in Zhangjigang versus living in Shanghai, so living in a small city in China versus living in the biggest city in China, is that like be, living in a small town, you are so insulated from the rest of the world, from like an international world. I don't feel like that when I'm home in America. I feel like living in a small city in China is very isolating. It's like, the international experience just doesn't get there at all. And life in small city China can be so homogenized, so like, s- same. And it's not because everybody's so similar in China, I think there's this ugly stereotype in China that like, oh, people are brainwashed, people all act the same. No, we can see from Lee and Sui's stories, they come from small places and they're so different and they're so vibrant in their own ways. I think maybe because there's like this tight control, there's like a tighter control on smaller cities, and there's just less access to more international ideas and companies and um, experiences.
3: Why is life in small cities so homogenous in China? It's not necessarily because everybody do live the same life, but this constant pressure to be stable and to not be different, is in everybody's life. And there's one way to get married, to get a kid, to have a very stable and predictable life.
0: Right, and where, where does that pressure come from?
3: Well, all kinds, parents, your peers, or just even relatives that have nothing to do with your life. Because you having a different and unstable life sort of, you know, is an unstable factor in their life. They want to control you so that they feel satisfied. If I compare my hometown with Shanghai, there's no doubt like a world of difference between the two. But even if I compare Suzhou, where I spent five years, which is another very well-developed first-year city in China, the drastic difference is still pretty shocking. For a simple example, The amount of events that you can actually go to in Shanghai, even on a Tuesday night, is unimaginable. Freelancer meetups, beer intelligence, entrepreneurial talks, design workshops, all kinds. Like, you would never run out of choices. And this is incomparable, like in other cities. And that's just one example, like in every possible aspect that you can think of to be living in Shanghai. The choices are so abundant that no other cities can compare.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Nothing compares to Shanghai. But let's get back to their personal experience. Part of what makes the gap between Shanghai and everywhere else in China so wide is economics. And I think Sui outlines this really, really well. So what is it that makes Shanghai and your hometown so different?
2: Shanghai is already a mega city. It's already fancy enough, but it's still changing quite rapidly, right? The sad thing about my hometown or generally in the Northwest part of China is you don't see the change. I go back this year or after five years, or even after 10 years, it's probably still the same. It didn't change much. Uh, Every time if I go back, I need to take flight to Xi'an and then from Xi'an, I need to take bus. I I hate I hate taking bus, but that is the only option. There there is no bullet train from my hometown to Xi'an. It has been discussing again and again for many years, but just no one is building it. I don't know why. Maybe even you build that, the investment return, the return investment is not so optimistic. That's why they are not building it. The transportation is so lag behind. Another funny thing about my city is. There is no major industry, so it's still a very agriculture-based economy. But the property price is almost like 10000 per square meter. I don't know how people are affording that if the whole city is relying on just the agriculture. Or, for example, if you graduate from university, you go back to that city, what kind of job can you find? The only option is working for government, is government officials. If you work for a private company all right it's okay but it's not pursued
1: in the capital city guiyang itself it feels to me that um people don't look that rich but they are but outside of guiyang it's uh, then you can see the difference there um especially go to the the countryside where people have the farmland and everything where my um, for example my father uh, spent a couple years in in the mountain that area is, as as told by my dad, it's pretty much the same than 10, 20 years ago. It hasn't changed much. Uh, Maybe now it has changed, but uh, the change is very minimum. uh, You can tell uh, from going to their houses and see what's in there. Of course, now they have a refrigerator or TV, but other than that, it's very frugal and very limited, I would say, compared to uh, city life.
0: So here's the thing. I think when we think about China, we think about the economic miracle of the past 30 years of opening and reforming. But actually, that miracle is a bit kind of like the American dream. It's like an ideal more than it is like a reality.
3: So if you look at the data, you'll find out that both the rich and poor, every group across the board is basically doing economically better than they were 30 years ago. But if you look at something like the Gini coefficient, like the measure of economic disparity, you find the difference between the rich and poor in China is huge. According to the data we have, China's inequality is even worse than the United States, which is already really bad. And because the data isn't exactly accurate, most of the experts think the gap between the rich and poor is even bigger than that.
0: Right, and Li and Sui are both from the two poorest provinces in China. And they're living in the richest city in China right now.
3: I'm from Jiangsu, which is one of the richest provinces in China, and there's still extreme poverty. So the real difference is really between the cities and the countryside.
0: Right. Like Lee Li says, Lee's from Guizhou, one of the poorest provinces in China. But he said that Guiyang, the capital, is doing just fine. It's the countryside that hasn't changed much. It's the countryside that's still very, very poor.
3: That's the tale of two Chinas.
0: So, would you say that the, for the most part, people who dream big in your city are looking to leave your city?
2: Those ones who can get into a good university, probably the, the, the chance to going back to the city is very slim. As far as I know, all those students who are good in study, who went to big city, good universities, they, are, they stay in big cities. They, they wouldn't go back our high school class there was around maybe 50 students right now it's around 10 is outside I am in Shanghai there's one in Beijing one in Xiamen many in Xi'an and Lanzhou which are the big cities around that region those who, who didn't get in to go to university they would go back to my hometown and going back to my hometown the only option Seems like be a government official. They all have an iron ball. You know what iron ball is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Not iron ball. She's saying iron bowl. What's an iron bowl?
3: It basically means a 100% secure job. Right. That guarantees you for the rest of your life.
0: Right. Like in big cities, people don't they don't like aspire to have like an iron bowl kind of job the way that they used to. But like in smaller cities, there's definitely this concept of like, oh, get a stable job and you're like set for life.
3: Yeah. And that kind of iron bowl job means you can see what it's like in 50 years. It's going to be exactly the same as the first day.
0: Right. There are some private sector jobs that are like that, but they're mostly public sector.
3: Mostly jobs in the government. Like, sector is whose duties include filing papers or you know organizing some publicity events which are pretty chill and doesn't require a lot of energy or time
2: the trend for the small city is job limitation i think it's it's especially in my hometown in the industrial is not strong it's mainly agriculture so you don't have a lot of good options unless you work for government or be a teacher or a doctor
1: uh, personality wide is that people will be just pushing me to do things that they want me to do especially coming from the relatives um, I felt like the, the reason why Hawaii benefits me a lot is that I can think on my own I don't have to listen to anybody else just me finding myself out and discover the road the route myself I don't have to listen to anybody else so going back to hometown in Guiyang I think that would be a lot of pressure um, coming from the relatives saying oh you should do this or maybe again oh you don't fit in the box you should Um, no I don't want to Mm, and Zhuhai would be the case that we I say I think I think if it's not true or not, I don't know, be less opportunity. Yeah. Mm.
3: Well, the fact that both Sui and Li live in Shanghai right now means their life is free of the gossips from relatives and friends, minding the business of their marriage or relationships so they can live a perfectly single and enjoyable life here in Shanghai. Yeah.
0: And when you're close to your relatives and when you're in a more like an, in a smaller place, more traditional place, those pressures are like much realer. and we've talked about that in previous episodes.
3: Yeah, for sure, they want you to get married and have kids really early. How can you do that and get a decent job or develop a career at the same time? Yeah. Uh, or they want you to stay in smaller cities but still want you to make a lot of money, right. which is harder in smaller cities. Yeah.
0: We wrapped up the interviews by me just asking Lee and Sui, like, would you ever go back? Would you ever go back to live in your hometown? That's what they had to say. You never want to go back to your hometown.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) No, I can't imagine going back to my hometown. Because my dad has a business and he's getting old. They were hoping me to go back to take over the business, to inherit. But it's still, even (laughs) for that, because my life quality will be Totally different if I go back. Who I'm going to talk to? Who I'm going to have interesting, deep conversations with? I, I don't find I'm, I'm going to find a soulmate or i going to find a like suitable husband if I go back to my hometown. So
1: every time I go back, it's just to see my grandparents, my relatives. There's not any other purpose. Yeah. Uh, but now I find a new purpose there is to actually photograph my hometown, yeah. which I have never done before. And then the reason why I have never done before was because it was because that I don't think it positively. I didn't think of it positively before. It was only to see the grandparents and New Year's, especially, that's not a nice time to see the hometown. Nobody's there. I mean, nothing is open and even if it's open for Chinese New Year, it's usually very crowded. So it wasn't a really nice experience to be there to see my hometown. So. This time I decided to go a little early, earlier than Chinese New Year, then I can see, you know, in a different angle, not just to see the relatives during Chinese New Year. Mm.
0: So looking over their stories, we know their whole stories now. We, we see how they feel about their hometown and how glad they are and how lucky they feel to be away So I'm just wondering, what do you think is the key factor that drove them away from their hometowns or pushed them towards Shanghai?
3: I think they kind of have to thank their parents because at the very, very beginning, they were indulgent enough for them to develop unique personalities instead of shutting them down. And then later on in their lives, they had the opportunity, again, provided by their parents to go study abroad, which definitely... Open their eyes for the new, bigger international world, and enabled them to to have more inspirations and ideas about what they want to, what kind of person they want to be like, or what kind of business do they want to do. So it seems like somehow we've created the stories where parents and their hometown became this restraints for them. But what I think is actually both of these factors contributed to what, who they are like right now and what they're doing right now. Another set of parents or another small town as their hometown might have killed their unique personality in the bud. And they would have never had the opportunity to come out and explore and being allowed to be far away from it.
0: Huh? I'm really glad that you kind of flipped it on its head. Um, Because I think we do kind of get like stuck in some certain narrative.
3: What do you take away from their stories? I
0: agree. I agree with you to a certain extent. But I also want to emphasize that it was their unique personality that helped them get through their particular circumstance. Because as much as their family helped them, their family in many ways also was a big part of their problems. I just think at their core, they're like tough in particular about how they wanted to live their lives and how they wanted their lives to turn out. I also think we shouldn't forget that their particular struggles were very much part of what made them who they are. Lee being a fat kid. Sui being sort of neglected it was their struggles i think that made them feel like outsiders in their hometowns which made them seek community which made them more brave more bold to live differently no matter what perspective you take you maggie me lee and Sui, were all part of a broader trend Forces beyond our control are guiding us and making us part of this broader trend. For you guys, it's the trend that Chinese folks are moving more towards the city to have a more urban lifestyle. Whereas for me, it's this broader international trend of folks becoming more interested in China.
3: Either way, their stories are both unique and coincidentally similar. And they're at the very heart of one of the most important migrations in human history. And their stories definitely show the multitude of factors that drive this broader shift.
0: I think though that there's this flip side to this story. We're talking about the people who are lucky to leave their hometowns, to come to big, prosperous cities. But the flip side is this tragedy of a widening gap between the big cities and the rest of China.
3: Right, and as cities in China become more appealing and prosperous, the countryside faces the inverse of that.
0: And also, not everyone gets to leave. You have to be pretty extraordinary, and you have to work within a rigid system to get ahead in many cases if your family doesn't really have means. I think back to Sui's school days. Like, she was like one of the worst students in the class, right? Let's say she was ranked 50th out of 60 or something. My question is, what do you think that 51st student is doing right now? How are they living? Are they living still back in Sui's hometown in Ping Lian?
3: Even in my case, growing up in a very, very small town and having a poor family, but I consider myself pretty lucky and I made it out here all because my mom was always there for me and she was my mental support. That's very critical despite all of the financial issues or struggles that we had to go through.
0: Yeah, and I just think about my own life and how in both my schooling and in my career, I've made some big ups and I've been given second chances. And those second chances I can only attribute to being lucky, sure, but just privileged more, more generally. I don't feel like smarter or more talented than others necessarily. I've, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been very lucky, very privileged. Like, do you think people from your school days aren't as smart as you? You're just smarter, so you, you had this chance to get away?
3: I don't think so. I don't think I'm, like, smarter. I just worked harder with my mom's support.
0: Do you ever want to go back? You know, like, you know, was there ever a prospect of going back to Guiyang or going back to Zhuhai? Like,
1: No, I I don't think so. I've thought about it. But it wasn't really on the table for me to think about. Guiyang, uh, it, it feels to me that it belongs to childhood memory. Whenever I go back, all, although all the relatives are there, for me, most of the time is just be there and see them and nothing else. I don't have any other callings there besides pictures. You know, I was planning to take some good pictures. Um, I think before the Chinese New Year, this coming Chinese New Year. Other than that, uh, there is no real calling for me there. It's really laid back. There is no big industry there, so I've I've never thought about uh, like seriously. Oh, I can do this back home.
0: Do you feel lucky that you got out?
2: Oh yes. I do, I do feel... Actually, yesterday I was talking to a friend. She is in my hometown right now. I told her, uh, living in Shanghai, I see so many excellent people every day. I feel like I can't catch up the pace. I feel like I'm lagging behind because there are just so many great people, Uh, excellent, talented people. I feel like I'm not good enough sometimes. And she said, uh, yeah, it is difficult to live in a big city. But one thing was in my mind I didn't ta- tell her. As, as long as you open your eyes, as long as you k- come to this big city, it will be very difficult to go back. Because, because you, have since, you have seen things. You, have, you know the opportunities. You know the possibilities. You know what is the outside world looks like. You can't pretend you know nothing. Go back, live a very cozy, very slow and quiet life. Never, never. After I come out from my hometown, there is no single time that I want to go home. Like I have homesick. No.
0: Thanks, Maggie. Thanks for doing this with me.
3: Thank you, Clay. Thank you for having me.
0: It's it's such a contrast between you and me. because. What do you mean? Well, you know, I do not have the same kind of perseverance that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you persevered through my bullshit and we could get this done.
3: No, I like it. Which is why you said it's going to be an excruciating experience, but I still like it because I've been through shit.
0: You've been listening to Strangers in China. Follow us on Instagram at Strangers in China. Follow us on Twitter at Stranger in China. Strangers in China is a member of the Seneca Network, powered by SubChina. This episode was written by Clay and Maggie. Strangers in China is produced by Clay. It's mixed and mastered by Kaiser Kuo. Our title track is Analytical Skeletons by Caesars. Other music this episode was produced by Purple Cat, Sachko LeGang lofi terry skills sees patent one lakey inspired and dixie you can link to all of the music used in this episode on our show page at subchina.com you can also find notes and research that we used on our show page as well i want to thank mike for doing voiceover work for us love you mike thank you to nowness shanghai for letting me use their recording studio shout out to monty Next time on Strangers in China.
2: You know, we don't talk about uh, sex in the in positive terms, right? Like even for better sex education, you don't really talk about, for example, for women, how do you how do you have an orgasm, right?
0: For all my real strangers out there, I actually got a chance to, to go out with Lee while he was doing for some photography, and. Uh, we saw some people taking some wedding photos, and he had a very strong reaction.
1: We were looking at a couple who were t- being, uh, you know, the picture being taken right there. And I was saying that this is the part that I would, I would never get, want to get involved with, uh, photography-wise. It's the normal, very typical wedding photography. They stand, and the photographer asks them what to do. You stand here, you do this, and you, you pose this, you hold the hand, and da 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 Nothing wrong with it. It's just not my, my, my thing to do. If I were ever, were ever to do uh, weddings, that would be more documentary, like telling the story, not just posing. Posing is important. Yeah, I know. You know, It's part of it. They want that. Yeah. But not the whole thing, not the whole hour, two hours, or four hours of a wedding just for that. That would kill me.
0: Yeah. So just as a cultural phenomenon in mm-hmm. China, like, what what are these wedding photos? Because everybody who gets married in China seems to get these like really flashy, really done up, really dressed up wedding photos.
3: I think it's more to satisfy the women's fantasy of being a princess, of being, you know, the treasure and living the life, the extraordinary life that they don't get to live in their daily lives. Yeah. To be dressed up and having great makeup and being the attention of the street. And I, I think most of the husbands are probably just like putting up with it to make the wife
0: happy. I agree that the husbands are definitely putting up with it. But I also think the wives are kind of putting up with it, too. Really? Yeah, because you know what? I think everybody's just kind of putting up with it in China. Really? Because my perspective is that nobody really wants to do them that badly but there's like this expectation both sort of social expectation mm. but also like expectation from your family that you have these yeah. gaudy wedding photos <laughs> that are really fucking expensive and, and they
3: can show off to their relatives and they print out gigantic copies of them and hang it by your bed and <laughs> stuff yeah, like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think in Amer- like Americans would say oh you know it's kind of tacky it's kind of like mm. and that I feel, feel like that's what Lee's responding to but, but I could Kind of love them. I love their, they're like kind of camp and they're like really fun. Like I, I, I like them.
3: I still think women probably took the initiative to do it because like even for unmarried single s- females here in China, they do the their own set of this kind of glamorous photography as well. You see a lot of them, like sometimes even wear wedding dresses by herself, or sometimes like the ancient Chinese style dresses and do that kind of individualized photography shoot
0: Mm. it's the trend so um do you have any like sad photos where you're dressed up in a wedding dress by yourself
3: (laughs) with my dog yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) drinking drinking a bottle of (laughs) soju
3: yes that's like my dream
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right that's it We're we're done we're done